Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Yes, indeed, I am Deacon Jeff, and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. Here we are sitting in the luxurious corner booth of said Catholic Cafe. Tom, you with me? I'm hip. I'm with you. You're hip and happening? I'm hip and happening. That's <laughs> easy, easy for me to say. Not really, but I'm glad you're here anyway. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, we have a great show today. As always. As always. And today's show, you know what we're going to talk about? I don't know. What are we going to talk about? I like how you prepare for these shows, <laughs> yeah. Tom. We're going to talk about Jesus Christ is what we're going to talk about today. Well, hey. You know, discussion about who Jesus was, who he is, what he did and what he does has been a part of our world for 2,000 years now from the very first time of Jesus' birth to modern times. And here we are talking about it again today. Why do we do this? Because the understanding of the nature of Jesus and his role in salvation is absolutely essential to our faith. In other words, you can't be a Christian unless you know the Christ. So, here to help us discuss the Catholic Church's understanding of Jesus is Father John Hurricane. He's a priest for the Diocese of Memphis. Welcome, Father John, to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Oh, thank you, Deacon Jeff and Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Tom, I see that uh, a paper airplane has landed in front of us. Is what is that all funny? about? Isn't that funny? I, these waitresses are getting creative, aren't they? So, uh, this is uh, her... <laughs> who's her waitress? <laughs> it's Maureen. Maureen made up... For all of our folks out there in, in uh, Radio Land, Maureen, our waitress, made a paper airplane and sailed it our way to make sure we mention her on the air. So there you go, Maureen. Well, Maureen, wonderful. So Maureen needs to get uh, yeah, some... Yeah, uh, hustle on over here and get, <laughs> get Father Hurt. She needs to fly on over here like a paper airplane. <laughs> Father, you want something to drink? You want some coffee? Uh, coffee would be great. All right, we'll, all right. we'll set you up. So, Father, here we are talking about Jesus. And we want to start right off at the beginning, I think. And just, you know, as Catholics... What do we believe about Jesus? Well, as Catholics, we believe that Jesus is a divine person, not only was, but is. Uh, he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's a divine person who is both fully human and fully divine. Uh, we speak of Jesus as becoming incarnate. That is, that God became flesh through Mary's uh, yes to the angel Gabriel, uh, where God became one of us. And very often people have a hard time uh, understanding and accepting that. And they've always had a hard time understanding and accepting that. We can see that in the Gospels. How many people were not open to Jesus' proclamation that, that he is the Son of God. The scribes and the Pharisees became agitated just by his saying that, that they, they saw this as blasphemous. Right, when he did things like, uh, when he talked about forgiving sins, right. etc., they were saying, well, hey, wait a second, only God can f forgive sins. Sure, well, also even when he would say, I am, right. and, and which was a, a reference to Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 14. That's the unspeakable name of God. Right, and he knew very well what, what he was saying. He was asserting his divinity, and, and this is something that despite the miracles that he was performing and the great works that he was performing, they, they were not open to that truth, to that proclamation. And this is something that is still present in the world today. There are many people that are not open to that truth, that Jesus is the Son of God. From the very beginning of the church, we're talking 2,000 years ago, mm -hmm. people start thinking different thoughts about 
who sure. Jesus was. Sure, we, we can even see this in the uh, second letter of John, how John warns the early disciples. Well, let's read from the second letter of John, starting with uh, verse 7, going all the way to verse 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, men who will not acknowledge the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Look to yourselves that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. Anyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into the house or give him any greeting, for he who greets him shares his wicked work. Okay, so in this second letter of John, they're, they're warning those who are denying the divinity of Christ, the deny, denying that Jesus came in, in his humanity. Well, one of the things that we, uh, as humans, like to do is we like to quantify things. We like to define things. We like mm. to put them in little boxes, and we like to ha- understand so that we, as humans, can understand things. And I think that leads us into all kinds of problems, especially when we're talking about God, something that cannot be put in a box. Sure. You know, that we can't even comprehend the, the fullness of God or the experience of God. And so what you have is you have people that start to define God in a way that's like, well, let's say he wasn't totally human. Maybe mm-hmm. he was just acting like he was human. Sure. Or maybe he was just acting like he was God. Maybe he was just a really good guy. Sure. Maybe he was born as God and became a man, right, is one possibility. What is another possibility is he was born as a man and became a god. Sure. You know, so you have people wrestling with all these different ideas inside and outside the church. And this is something that the early church uh, struggled with. Many heresies went to one direction or the other and kind of off course. And it's it's something that our, our, uh, our theology about who Jesus is has been refined over the years. I think one of the examples that's been used on some of your other shows is how the whole understanding of marriage and it, and how uh, marriage just recently it's become necessary to define as uh, a, a lifetime commitment between one man and one woman. It's not that th- that's a new definition, but that's something that was that has become necessary to to make that definition clear because people have introduced an understanding of marriage that's contrary to the churches. And the same is true with our theology about the person of Jesus Christ. There were those introducing false understandings of who Jesus is. And and then these these took different shapes and different forms and different sizes. There there are so many different heresies uh, if you study the early church that, that arose, but ultimately it was the authority of the church that that corrected these false understandings of our of uh, who Jesus is. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the authority of the church and, and, and okay. why we believe Jesus is who he said he was uh, later. But I just I do want to point out that right off the bat, that especially in Scripture, that we see that the Catholic Church has always taught the divinity of Jesus from the earliest of days of the church. Correct. And in Scripture, we see that written uh, quite plainly, especially the opening of John's Gospel. You know, you look at John... Uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Of course, Word here being capitalized. We're talking about the Word mm-hmm. of God, right? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then further uh, in chapter 1, in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh 
and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, we have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Obviously, that's Jesus Christ. So, from that point on, and even Jesus says that he is God, there is no denying that Jesus is God. And that's that's the heart of our faith. That's what it means, uh, really, to be a Christian, is to believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. And, and, And you can have different emphasis and the, even the different gospels emphasize John's gospel had some uh, scripture scholars would say had, had a, has a higher Christology emphasizing the the eternal nature of, of the second person of the uh, Trinity being eternal in the beginning was the word whereas the the other gospels begin with the infancy narratives uh, Matthew Mark and Luke and and, and showing there is an emphasis there on how Jesus was truly born of a virgin, but he, but he was born, uh, and 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 so there is there is a different emphasis, emphasizing a truth, where we uh, where we would say something is a uh, false teaching is when you emphasize one truth uh, so much that you deny another, and that's when you kind of start to r- r- ride off the road there. Okay, so you, you stay, you can you can emphasize the truth that Jesus is uh, fully human and he is uh, tr- truly divine. And and but you um, but where where there there are many heresies of the early church that we can see in history, they uh, they denied one of the others of of, of these important truths. Uh, so there there are some. They go further than Revelation exactly. has taught us. I mean, they go further than what the church says. They go further than uh, what the scriptures say. Sure. Whether, whether you know the one of the uh, uh, earliest heresies. Uh, that really divided the early church was uh, the Arian heresy, uh, and that that was uh, a uh, theology that was taught by a priest from Alexandria named Arius, uh, who who taught that there was a time when the second person of the Trinity did not exist. That is, that Jesus was cr- created, as as right. as you uh, spoke of, and 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 they're basically in doing that, you're denying the divinity of Christ because because God is eternal okay God is we we have immortal souls there but there were times in uh, when we did not exist we were created in time you can't have okay. a finite God you can't right. have a definable right. uh, start and stop for God exactly so the second of the a person of the Trinity is eternal now there was a, the incarnation is an event that took place in time okay that is the second person of the Trinity became incarnate was born of of Mary. Okay, that's 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 part of our faith. That that, that t- took place in t- in time, but the uh, second person of the Trinity, what we pray in the creed, we say he uh, he is eternally begotten of the Father. That's that's a uh, begetting that takes place outside of time. It's eternal. That's that's this, that's again that's the same today, a million years from now, and a million years ago. That that relationship exists outside of time. You know, sometimes I think it's amazing to me that we actually have to have these kind of conversations because, you know, I grew up believing the same thing about Jesus all the time, and I and it makes sense to me. I look at uh, what the church teaches and I go, this just makes perfect sense. I understand it, and I'm always amazed that there are people that start to distort who who Jesus is and who Jesus was, and we're going to talk about that more when we come back. Uh, but first, I want to let, remind everyone at home that we do have a wonderful website they can visit, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I would love for you to, to email me, contact me about this show, about 
topics we can cover. If you have any questions about uh, what the Catholic Church teaches, email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. So what we want you to do now is hang on for just a few minutes. We'll be right back. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. The First Council of Nicaea is the first ecumenical council of the Christian Church. The word ecumenical comes from the Koine Greek word oikumenikos and literally means worldwide. It was called in the early 4th century primarily because doctrinal trouble was brewing from within the church. A priest named Arius was teaching a new way of reading the sacred scriptures as they related to the church's view on who Jesus Christ was. Arius contended that Jesus was not the Son of God in the literal sense, but only figuratively. Arius suggested that if the Father begat the Son, then the Son must have had a beginning. In other words, Jesus was not eternal, but was created. When the council was called, some 300 bishops from around the world made their way to Nicaea to settle the controversy. It should be noted that many of the bishops who attended the council had long suffered persecution for their devotion to the Catholic Church. Many threatened with death for adhering to her teachings. They were therefore extremely sensitive to the details of Christian doctrine. They demonstrated with their very lives that they would defend the truth, even unto death. After the arguments in favor of Arianism were heard and vigorously debated, and with the assistance and guidance of the Holy Spirit, the Council of Nicaea dogmatically decreed that the Father and Son are of the same substance, and that the Son is co-eternal with the Father. They decreed that this was in keeping with the teachings of the Apostles themselves. In fact, of all the bishops attending the Council, only two voted in favor of Arius. Arianism was forever and always to be known as a heresy. There were many other matters taken up at the First Council of Nicaea. The proper day for the celebration of Easter, the validity of baptisms performed by heretics, and many, many issues relating to church governance, the ordination of bishops, Christian initiation, disciplines for clergy, and guidelines for liturgical practices. The Council is perhaps best known for writing down the first version of the now-famous creed which proclaims the Son is one in being with the Father, which is still recited by faithful Catholics around the world at every Mass on Sundays and other solemnities. And with the First Council of Nicaea, a precedent was set. For centuries to come, bishops of the Universal Church would gather to discuss the contemporary issues of the Church seen in the light of sacred tradition, and with solemn authority and the guidance of the Spirit of Truth, define the unified beliefs of all of Christendom. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. We're still talking about Jesus here. We still have Father John Hurricane. Father, you doing okay? Your coffee okay? It's it's terrific. Maureen's, we have, we Maureen's have the, doing a good job, isn't she? Yeah, okay. Hello, uh, could you pass the cream? Sure. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. Well, let's continue on with what we were talking about before. Sure. You know, we've we've covered a lot of the heresies um, of the early church and the uh, misunderstandings that started to grow out of uh, just in you know our sinful nature and our sure. inability to 
um, grasp things and then to start to put our own take on things. And some of us have gotten a little off the reservation perhaps and, uh, and need to be reminded of, of what is true. Uh, it reminds me of something that happened to me. Uh, I spent several hours in a parking lot talking to a nice young woman who uh, she went to a Catholic church. She was married to a Catholic man. Uh, the Catholic man was sort of, you know, nominal Catholic, kind of ordinary guy, showed up on Sundays, did his uh, mm-hmm. obligations, right? But she was sort of, she wasn't Catholic, but she was one foot in, one foot out kind of thing. And she was going through the RCIA process, and she had just dropped out of RCIA, actually. And her thought was, you know, I don't know that it's so important that I believe that Jesus was God. Why is that so important? Why can't I just look at the Bible as sort of a this nice little um, uh, instruction manual, that just how I should act in the world, that maybe Jesus was just a good and holy man. He was a, maybe he was even a prophet. You know, maybe the Holy Spirit was working through him or something, but maybe he wasn't. Does it really matter that he was God? It matters greatly, to, particularly uh, for us as Christians, but I, I think that's something that uh, the different uh, writers have have addressed i think uh there's a, a quote from c.s lewis about our a whole sense of uh that you can't really adopt that middle ground because jesus claimed to be the son of god and so that that if if he's not who he says he uh he was who he is then then he uh then he was i think it was lunatic Liar, lunatic, or Lord exactly. is what C.S. Lewis th- right. said, I think. So either yeah. he's a liar or a lunatic, and you're you know, or, stupid for following right. a liar or a lunatic. <laughs> right. Or he was, as he, he says, says he was. was. To be worshiped and adored. And I, that's something I think he also got from the early church fathers. And I right. think there were different, uh, different writers who, who, who spoke of, of that as well. Because cause ultimately he ended up being crucified because... The scribes and the Pharisees resented the fact that he said he is the Son of God. That's right. And and then many of the early Christians suffered horrifically because they believed that Jesus is the Son of God. The the persecution that that many early Christians underwent and many Christians still undergo today because ultimately they believe what Jesus taught that he is the Son of God. So so yes, it is important to believe that Jesus is the Son of God because because he claimed to be the son of god and if and if and if that claim is false then then he was not a good man it, and everything he did was essentially rooted in falsehood correct i mean a a terrible horrible joke has been played on all of mankind mm-hmm. if indeed there was no divinity in jesus and there was no bodily resurrection, bodily resurrection. if correct. you don't have these things you might as well pull off your collar no one needs to go to church anymore. What's the point of it? Sure, and 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 so that we we can look at uh, the the early Christians and, and the particularly the apostles and what they underwent, and what what all the persecution and all the suffering they underwent. And no one would undergo all that for a lie. No one would undergo the suffering that Jesus underwent for a lie. And so, as Christians, yes, we do believe that Jesus rose from the dead that jesus is the son of god and that and that is our hope that is our hope for eternal life because of our, the promise of christ and so yes it, it, it is important if you are going to claim to be a christian and a disciple of jesus to to believe that that truth and 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 to understand that there is such a thing as truth and that truth has revealed himself to us in the person of jesus christ in the history of the church we've talked about all these different heresies 
it's very interesting to note that some of these heresies that happened almost 2,000 years ago, they're still around today, or they're reinventing themselves. Sure, everything old is new again to a certain extent in fashions, but also, uh, unfortunately, in uh, theological error. And, and part of that is uh, that the early church uh, really worked to weed out these false teachings. Uh, the way our theology about Jesus Christ was refined, when someone taught something that was an error, the church said, no, you know, this, this, this is not what we believe about Jesus, or this is not what we believe about the Trinity, or this is not uh, what we believe about different issues uh, theological issues. The church corrected those. And, but, you know, we are, as you're saying that, I just want to point out that, that we are a creedal church. Correct. Our, our church is based on creeds, and those creeds came out of heresies. Sure. You know, well, everything, you know, God God makes good out of everything bad. Right. right. Everything works together for the good. And one of the ways he does that is, you know, when we're confronted with heresy, the church calls a council. The you know, Council of the, Nicaea in 325. That's right. And basically, day, came up to address the Aaron heresy. That's right. And it was it was called to to bring the bishops together to to say, okay, what do we believe about Jesus Christ? What do we believe about the Trinity? And so when we we pray the creed, the, the creed, unfortunately, a lot of times uh, as Catholics, when we uh, attend Mass and people will pray the creed, they don't really reflect about the words they're saying. They just they just kind of uh, repeat repeat uh, the prayer. And, uh, it just, becomes like rote memorization. Exactly. Right. You know, that's human. That's just sure. not necessarily Catholic. That's just that's sure. just human beings. But but I think it is. That's one of the things in our catechism. The catechism goes through the creed, and it and it and it really uh, tries to explain these are these are the parts of the creed that we're praying, and this is this is what we mean when we when we say, you know, eternally begotten of the Father, about about uh, the Son. And then, you know, fortunately, yeah, we can, we can get in the habit of just like we know the uh, theme song to Gilligan's Island, okay? <laughs> but we don't really think Which much about it. Which was not written in a council, by the way. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> it was not. But, but unfortunately, we, those things are kind of stuck in our head, but we don't really think about them. Right. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times people <laughs> with, their, uh, with a creed, there are a lot of the, the creed, they know it. Once, you, once people get started in praying the creed, but they don't, unfortunately, really reflect on what the prayer that we're like praying. It becomes like a song. They start to sing it in exactly. their head. Exactly. Um, let's re- let's visit that creed for a second. In okay. uh, in our masses on Sundays and holy days, we uh, will say uh, the creed and the part about Jesus specifically. It says, "We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. Through Him all things were made for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven." By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. It's very specific. I mean, that sounds like if you're listening to that part of the creed, you can understand that that, those are the council fathers speaking forever and for all time. To say right. this heresy, Arius is wrong. Mm-hmm. This is who Jesus is, and and unfortunately, because many uh, our Christian brothers have uh, rejected the authority of the church, they they've uh, in some ways turned their back on on that 
that authority that that really corrected uh, these these false understandings of Jesus, and so on, that's in some way opened the door to many false uh, uh, understandings of Jesus, and, and so uh, they, they don't really have uh, the mechanism to correct these these false interpretations of Scripture, because a lot of these uh, false understandings of uh, Christology came out of uh, a misinterpretation of Scripture. This is exactly why we as Catholics are so blessed to have a living authority. Sure. Just like the fathers of our nation mm-hmm. envisioned having this constitution being in, in, in our living government to be able to interpret new ideas. And right. how did those hold up against you know what was gold and what was the standard on which everything was based? Well, we have to uh, revisit those things every day. There wasn't a lot of talk about gay marriage or there wasn't right. a lot of talk about uh, in vitro fertilization. Or stem cell research. Exactly. You didn't hear that in the early right. church. They didn't have really much of a concept of those things. But, you know, we have a living authority. We have the church that we can get an answer for right. all of our queries. Because the church is guided by the Holy Spirit. And, then the, and yes, Jesus, Jesus uh, gave that, that authority to the apostles and he promised that he would... He would be with the church and guiding the church. And, and God continues to guide the church through the Holy Spirit. And correcting these theological uh, errors is part of the work of the church, but also even in moral theology or, or in, and even determining which books should be included in sacred scripture. You've, I know you've, you've talked about this before in previous shows, but that, that, that authority of the church is, is a gift to us. It's a gift to us to keep us from error. And that, that error can be theological errors, but it can also be in, in, in the... A realm of moral theology as well, and that's that's a gift to us as as Catholics that we have that authority of the Church to guide us, to guide us in uh, our understanding of Jesus, but also in our in our understanding of Jesus' revelation to us and how we're to live our faith in Jesus out. Well, Father, we certainly thank you for coming and visiting with us today. It was a, definitely a gift to have you here with us mm-hmm. and talking about Jesus. And I hope that our listeners have uh, gotten a little bit of good information here that they can sort of take and ponder and think about what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe he is who he said he was, who he said he is, and do you or do you not? Mm-hmm. Simple question. We have free will. We have to answer that question for ourselves, don't we? We, we do, but we, we also have the benefit, and all Christians have the benefit of sacred scripture, and to have those questions answered in some ways by by Jesus' revelation of himself in Scripture. So we, we can get a sense of, uh, of uh, who Jesus is uh, through the gift of Scripture and through even uh, coming to know Jesus through our own private prayer, God speaking to us, God calling us to, to greater faithfulness to him. And then also, as Catholics, we have the, uh, the, the gift of the deposit of faith, that, that, that teaching of the magisterium that guides us in our walk with Christ as well. Father, thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome. Well, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, truly the greatest gift you gave the world was the gift of Jesus, the Son of God, the Word made flesh. Help us to humbly accept this gift and to walk in his way that we might come to live with you in eternity forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. 